0: The Free For All Roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think.
0: Round one.
1: On round one today, Robert Turner is here, News Talk 1010 personality. personality. Amanda Galbraith, principal at Navigator, host of Free For All Fridays, and Shelly Carroll is a Toronto City Councillor. Shelly, let me start with you, actually, because yesterday, uh, City Council approved an increase in the vacant home tax. Uh, I have to thank you voted in favor cuz the vote was like what 21 to 2.
2: Yes, yes. Okay. We're we're now in line with uh, exactly the way they handle it in Vancouver.
1: Okay. And uh, I I see that the uh, staff memo said that the income would go down from this. I presume that's because you think it's actually not just a revenue generator. It's going to convince people to rent out their homes and their houses, their condos. Ye-
2: Yes, and that has always been the goal. And so, you know, when when, when people uh, uh, focus in on the revenue, uh, we made that statement several times yesterday that this is it's actually not about a revenue grab. What we would rather is that these houses get rented out.
1: Okay, Amanda Galbraith, uh, we've kind of been around the horn on this a few times in terms of the <laughs> philosophy of a vacant home tax, but now it has been tripled. Your thoughts, is Amanda there? Are we, uh, do we have a failure to communicate? Okay, Robert Turner, take it away
0: a fake and demand attacks. Um, yeah, look, I, I, as long as it's not, as long as everybody gets it's not about the money it, and it's about getting the houses rented, fine. We'll see if that actually works. Um, I mean, I guess we'll take the money. Uh, I mean, if you really want to force people, you would think, like, if there are frequent flyers on this thing and every year somebody's just paying the, the the tax, maybe their specific tax should go up every year. Okay. Well, so yeah, we could force have a sliding them to, Like an escalator that's like, okay, no, seriously, rent it out. Do something with it. The idea is not to just sit on property
1: okay and Amanda if you were muted I have a very handy tip for you because I realize when you really when you appreciate you're muted you have to grab the mouse and then find your cursor and then just press the space bar
3: <laughs> can you hear me now yes, yes we can hear you now okay so Hello. I don't I don't think anyway I won't even discuss nobody cares on air radio about my technological issues um yeah listen I think whatever sure council tripled the thing it's a general drop in the bucket as far as revenues go also like maybe the counselor carol can correct me if i'm wrong but this is dependent on people self-reporting that this is their second residence or they're not there correct
2: right right uh every every um, homeowner is to declare that they are living in their property
3: yeah um, so they have file it, with the city right so we're trusting that the citizens of toronto are going to magically say hey i want to be taxed three times more and self-file so i i just i mean honestly i think it's kind of silly but sure if it Gets you five million bucks, and we have four more rental properties. Okay, but I just think it's it's a poor solution to what I think is a, a much larger problem. Okay, well, well Shelley, you'd be surprised
2: at the traffic of people uh, calling to report homes that have been vacant, and so there are there are some cases where we are. You mean people are, are the ratting owners. their neighbors out? Well, yeah, because it, it really does create a safety issue. If you have, you know, decrepit uh, 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 properties sitting there, people are just sitting on the lot for, for speculations purposes, and it's, it's empty endlessly, it becomes an issue of safety for the rest of the neighbourhood. And so there is some reporting going on as well.
1: Interesting, because I did see a report a couple of years ago now uh, from Vancouver, and owing to Asian investment, there were some blocks where, like, there were 20 houses, and and 12 of them were unoccupied.
2: And that's what we hope to avoid. We we really need these homes to be vibrant and, and helping us with our housing crisis.
1: Okay, another initiative is to put a cap on ride hail licenses. Again, I'll start with you, Shelley, because you're on council, but I didn't know that people who drove for Lyft and Uber actually had to have any paperwork at all.
2: Oh, yes, and, and that, that happened a number of years ago. Uh, um, uh, early in, in uh, Mayor Tory's uh, terms of office. Um, uh, Uber was a brand new thing as he was coming into office. And, and we set about to regulate it. Because the taxi industry has been highly regulated for years. That's, that's municipal responsibility. And suddenly there was this new business model with no regulation at all. But we, we do now have drivers are trained. Um, their cars have to be a, a certain lifespan as well. That sort of thing uh, is going on for, for uh, private transport companies. But we don't have what we used to have in the old days, which was a limit on the, the size of the fleet, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's up to Uber to decide uh, uh, whether or not uh, they want to allow someone, a new driver and a new vehicle, to be on the app. Uh, that's the one thing that we were not able to, uh, to control uh, for the private companies. And, and so what's been proposed by Council is that we do put a cap on that because there are over 50,000 licenses out there, although some are very part-time. I didn't vote for this one because it's not recommended by staff at this time. They want to do their periodic review of the whole sector and come back to us next year. And I, I always like to go with staff's advice on this because... They regularly meet with all of the business models within this sector and work out uh, a balanced approach. What I would have preferred is in the interim, simply do what they've done in London, England, which is not so much to cap the licenses, but to require that any new vehicle licensed be zero emissions. That, That kind of slows down people getting involved unless they have an electric car, and then we'll figure out the fleet size professionally with staff's help, Amanda. but unfortunately yeah. council went another way.
1: Yes, as it often does. Amanda, I'll turn it over to you because I find this to be a somewhat unwieldy approach to things because as Shelley was just noting, you may have an Uber driver who only drives on Friday night, in which case you may be sort of impoverishing the all-around fleet.
3: Yeah. And, you know, like the, the taxi industry in this city, like the regulations, they... I don't think the tax industry has, has done themselves any favors historically. I think they're it's better than it used to be, but I don't know if that's regulation or the way they operate. Um, so, you know, applying the same sort of regulations and like some of it, I, I recall when I was in the mayor's office, yes, like certain training and all that, that stuff makes sense to me that, that Uber drivers should have to have. But I mean, the idea of, of like arbitrarily capping the fleet against staff recommendations who are like more of experts on this than counselors is great respect, uh, is troubling to me. Um, It's hard enough to get around this city uh, that I I just feel like limiting our options is not the best plan. It's
0: just going to drive prices up and they're not cabs. I mean, they're not the, the whole idea is somebody's using their personal car to drive people around some of the time. It's not the same thing. It doesn't make sense to do this. Uh, let's
1: move on to people getting themselves into trouble over the conflict in the Middle East. MPP JAMA has apologized after uh, an unfortunate tweet. I don't know if it's genuine, but we don't have to be mind readers. Plus, that pilot at Air Canada is no longer a pilot at Air Canada. Uh, we have a federal civil servant who got himself into all kinds of trouble, and it's not the first time. Uh, Robert Turner, you can take this. What do, this you, what do you mean
0: direction. you don't know if the apology is legitimate? The apology was the most kindergarten apology of all time. You're going to say you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then she came out and said she's sorry, but she didn't take it back. Um, and on a day when the NDP... This spoken like a man with two kids well, well, in the, the backseat of the car. Had, like, it's just, <laughs> the NDP had what should have been... This is our best day ever. The provincial government's under an RCMP investigation. This is amazing. Somebody tweeted what? And then Merritt Stiles had to spend the rest of the day doing that. Uh, So, like, from all sides, this was bad for them. Um, And as far as everybody else who's tweeting out things and getting fired, you don't have to put every thought you have on social media. You would think people would learn this. They haven't. Okay, Shelley Carroll, my own working theory in this
1: particular file with the MPP is, like it or not, a certain portion of NDP supporters do believe in the things that she was tweeting. So it's a bit like the way Doug Ford has to figure out how to accommodate uh, fundamentalist Christians. The NDP has to figure out how to stay out of trouble on something like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict.
2: Yeah, and this is very difficult, believe it or not. I know this will be hard to believe, but when these things happen, all politicians all the way down to the municipal level, we often are are inundated with with uh, emails and, and messages demanding that we say something, which is amazing to me in a situation where it has just happened and there are hostages' lives at stake, but still the calls and emails come in saying, you have to say something. You have to post something, and 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 so you're you, you're you're at pains to to say no. It's important that we wait and just leave this to the people who are getting foreign policy briefings. I'm not, uh, but uh, uh, she may have been bowing to pressure. Uh, certainly, she would have pressure from her own family. But I think you you really have to wait and make sure that you're as a group, as a party, you should decide what your your uh, your messaging will be and, and then stick to it so that you're not creating problems.
1: Yeah, Amanda Shelley mentions an interesting phenomenon, which I've been tracking ever since Saturday. And yesterday, actually, I was talking to a podcaster who does a completely apolitical podcast, but she was under pressure from her business manager to take some sort of a position. And that seems to be where we've arrived, that you must say something, otherwise you're a hypocrite. Yeah. It
3: uh, I listen, I have a real I mean I craft statements like this for a living, and I just think there are moments in our lives where huge important things happen in the world, and you're either on one side or the other. And people could have shut up and said nothing about Nazis, and we saw how that went down. Um, they are beheading babies, and uh brutally there's videos of young women being dragged through the streets with their pants covered in blood because they've been sexually assaulted repeatedly. The idea that we are hemming and hawing over talking points to me is disgusting. And I just I don't have a lot of patience for it. I don't have a lot of patience for for politicians who, you know, like have half apologies. Um I think it's I think it's awful. And I think rightfully um they should be criticized for it. Uh so you know, history will judge people, and I think they'll judge them harshly based on how they they behave over the last week.
1: Okay, but where are you, like if one of your clients calls you, and they're not a politician, and they say, do I need to put out a statement to be on the right side of this, do you tell them to be quiet, or do you write a statement for them?
3: Um, I tell them uh, either, I said, what's, like, what's, your, what's the conviction of your company or your CEO? Like, what do you think? And then if they say, this is this, I will tell them, like, Like, this is a tough one for me, I'll be honest, because I have a real strong personal belief on this, and I I support Israel and the right to defend themselves, and I do not support what's happening over there. Um, So, uh, I would also say to them that, like, if you come out and say X, this is a likely criticism. One of the things we're seeing a lot of is... You know, these kind of half statements running up the middle, they like, get criticized on both sides. So either you stand up and say something strongly or don't say anything at
1: all. Uh, there is a restaurant that has a policy that bans kids under the age of 10. Robert Turner, um, you're a parent of uh, children, although they're growing up very quickly. Um, I always say if a restaurant or any other establishment wants rules about who they serve, as long as they publicly advertise it, I'd, I'd knock yourself out.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, like I, I get there. this may technically be a discrimination thing and you may not be allowed to actually say you can't bring kids in, but then just don't have high chairs and stuff, right? Like don't have menus you can color on. There are ways you can send the message <laughs> that we don't want kids here. Um, so like for me, when I go, I, I would just like to go somewhere other than Boston pizza. I like Boston pizza, but I've just about had enough, but it's the only place the kids want to go. So I kind of want to leave them at home and go there. But I looked up this restaurant and I think they have a $39 curry. So I'm out. I'm back to Boston Pizza. <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. Good to have you. Amanda Galbraith, Robert Turner, and Shelly Carroll. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010, Toronto.